Purposely Podcasts. We deliberately speak to social entrepreneurs, charity founders, and all-round awesome people to hear their founder story. I, I started to notice that um, you know the great benefit that came from working with patients living with dementia. Welcome to episode 32 and a conversation with Rosie Mead, who is the founder of UK-based social enterprise Musica. Rosie has been widely recognised for combining the power of music with better outcomes for people with dementia. We also talk about the joy of developing playlists, a personal passion of mine, artists like Bowie, The Cure, The Eels, which I hadn't heard of. Before we head to the episode, don't forget to share with a friend, review if you like what you're hearing, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I want as many people as possible to hear my founder stories, people like Rosie, who do incredible things. Enjoy. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. No, really good to connect. Our sort of vision is that we want to live in a world where people living with dementia and their caregivers feel supported and connected and better able to live well with the condition. So that's kind of our overarching vision. And our mission is that we exist as a social enterprise to support the well-being of people living with dementia through music. Where did your passion for music come from? Like, was, was it childhood? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I so I grew up in a a house of of music. Mum and dad weren't musicians, but they they loved to listen to music. We had classical music on a lot on the radio, and they take me to concerts from quite a young age. And um, I'd always wanted to learn the clarinet, so it was one of those things. Where mum said, you know, clarinet sort of having lessons is quite expensive. So when you turn twelve, when you start secondary school, if you still want to learn, we'll buy you one. And, um, and I did. I started secondary school, still wanted to learn. And for me, that was that was where my love of music start, or kind of music became embedded in my life at that point. So I started learning the clarinet at secondary school, joined the school orchestra. We went on tours, um, which now like it feels crazy when we can't travel. But I love looking back at, you know, we went to like Disneyland Paris. We played there and we went to Venice. And um, I think it was from quite a young age that I realised it wasn't just the music, it was everything that came with it. So it was all of the social connections, you know, it, it very much became my life. Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of an, an early um, epiphany is too strong a word, but it's <laughs> a yeah. kind of realisation. I hadn't had any experience of dementia and no one in our family had had dementia. Um, but when I was at university, so during my music degree, I was um, sort of writing looking at dissertation topics and at the time I just started volunteering at a local hospital so I I don't know where that connection came from but something drew me to contacting this hospital near the university and offering to play my clarinet on the wards and it was a very new thing so it it took quite a lot of kind of persuasion to um to convince that you know this was a great idea um, and then that's then where I, I started to notice that, um, you know, the great benefit that came from working with patients living with dementia. So, you know, if I think I just started recognising that when I played music that was particularly familiar or meaningful to the individual, they then seemed to kind of 
it, it was like a, a light switch went and they they were more communicative they would you know chat with the the nursing staff um and, and so from that I realized yeah the connection between music and dementia and then I wrote my dissertation around the topic and I've kind of just you know over the last how many years 11 years I've just researched and researched that area because there's there's so much information around yeah dementia so that was my first experience really yeah and g give me a kind of rundown of how um so you you train the trainers or you train the um caregivers and then how do um they arrive at a playlist that's meaningful to the person with dementia like how does that how does it work in practical terms it's really funny because when i when i do the training so our training is 12 weeks and we have four modules on there I deliberately make the last module, the playlist module, but it's the one that everyone wants to jump to <laughs> because it's the fun, it's the sexy part. Everyone wants to be creating these playlists. But I always say, well, no, you've got to understand the research behind it first. So you've got to know the why before you get to the how. So I, I do spend a lot of time with them, you know, giving them the, the kind of the understanding of why music's important you know the benefits that you can see as well as you know potential negatives as well because I think we need to to accept that if we're going to use music that's meaningful you know there will be times that you come across something that that does bring back a negative memory or a negative association and we need to kind of address that you know music's not some kind of magic pill um so we, we start off with the kind of the research behind it. We then look at, you know, how you can um, adapt musical activities to suit the ways that, that individuals engage with activities, um, because everyone engages in kind of slightly different ways, depending on the level of condition or, you know, or just how you are in the moment. And then we talk about, you know, having meaningful conversations and what does it look like to have this conversation and, and how can you communicate with someone who can't communicate verbally, um, you know, involving families, that kind of creating a community. And then we move on to, OK, you've got all of this understanding and tools under your belt. How do you then take all of this and turn it into a playlist? And then how do you use, you know, different playlists at different times of the day and during different activities? Um, yeah. So we kind of deliberately take them through that journey and then the playlist is the last bit. Yeah. See, I jumped straight to the playlist. That's yeah. terrible, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 that's what everyone does because it it is that kind of, and I think, you know, we all get it because I don't know about you, but I have loads of playlists and, and I just create them without kind of thinking about it. But I think, and, I, and so I think it's very natural for us to jump straight to the playlist side. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to feel energized. I'll find a playlist on Spotify. But it's like, well, actually, how do you, you know, if you're a caregiver with someone living with dementia, how do you even know that that music is meaningful to them? <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, opening up that discussion. And how does it, we're, you know, we're doing a podcast. How does it compare music to the spoken word, like for people with dementia? Yeah, so music can sort of, it, I always say like about it, it ignites different parts of the brain at the same time, unlike kind of other forms of communication. So, you know, when you're listening to music, memories might come back, that might include kind of a, some kind of sensory memory as well. Um, you're moving to music, you know, often even without thinking about it, if we have music on, we start to move to the music. Um, you know, it, it takes us out of the space that we're in um you know whether to kind of somewhere that's that's more conducive to our own well-being it's yeah there's there's something about about music 
Um, and I'm always saying it's, it's not magic, it is science. <laughs> There's loads of research about it. Um, yeah. But it, it's the way that it, it can unlock certain parts of the brain, even when you know the brain is, is damaged in the way that it can be um, with dementia, music can still reach those areas. Yeah, because it's quite established charities in the UK, um, particularly mm. um, like I'm thinking uh, Lord of Robins and others who utilise music therapy. Um, and I guess ensuring people have boundaries or um, parameters to work with people with music. So if it does go wrong, if it does um, bring up memories they can't, can't deal with or that, I guess that's an important part of it. Because, you you know, you're when you train people, you're not trained to be therapists. No, and I'm not a music therapist either. So I'm a community musician. So my thing and and I'm very kind of conscious when I'm doing the training that it's, it's not to replace outside music either but it is to enhance the benefits of those sessions. So I think that's what we were finding was that, you know, we'd go in once a month and in that one hour, the people that were there, you know, there'd, there'd often be sort of great changes or, you know, benefits to their well-being, and, and they'd be communicating more. But then I was conscious that how, how do you continue that benefit? And the only way we can do that is by empowering caregivers to be using music as part of their care. Um, so, yeah, so they're not therapists, but they they have an understanding about music. So it's not just putting music on for music's sake, um, but you have an understanding about, you know, actually how you can use music as part of, I guess it's part of emotional care, which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've opened yourself up more globally because you've doing the online um, thing. Have you been... Mm -hmm. Have you come across others who are down the line with this or do you feel like you're leading the way a bit internationally if you kind of connect with people overseas? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So our overseas work, this is kind of stemmed from our, our mission. So Press Play to Rewind, I'd love it to be overseas. At the moment, um, we've only had care homes in England or, and sort of like the UK, so England, Scotland, Wales. But our overseas work has been with our mission and kind of thinking, you know, this isn't just about money. This is about I want to get our mission out there. So I set up a free um, online introduction to music and dementia. So it, it takes around kind of an hour to an hour and a half to complete. And that's the one where we've got about just over 400 learners on there. And they're yeah, people all over the world. Um, and so I think that's quite a new thing. And I'm doing um, I'm listening to at least one album a day. So I'm doing this thing on Instagram, which is all around like 365 albums. So I've, I've been listening to music loads recently. Yeah, um, I've seen it. You're getting really good um, buy-in from people um, sitting at home as well, aren't you? Yeah, I've been really enjoying it because I thought, you know, I'll, I'll open it up because actually the more research I'm doing around dementia, the more I'm realising this isn't just a, a thing for people living with dementia. You know, we can all use music in our lives. So, um, oh, so in terms of kind of top, three or so I well, the cure are my favorite band yay um, and I've really got into the cure so kind of over the last summer I just listened to all of their albums and read a whole load about them <laughs> uh, so my favorite song is just like heaven um by the cure I like upbeat music so um which sounds a bit weird to say the cure are my favorite band and then I say <laughs> but you know they do have upbeat stuff um so I'm now trying to think of songs oh this is I okay so Kygo, so Kygo and Whitney Houston, the um, Higher Love, that's oh, yeah. at the moment, that's quite a good one that I turn to if I'm feeling in a, I want to be kind of in a, an energised mood. Um, I've fallen in love with um, Eels lately, they're 
they're not a new band but they're a new band to me um and so I, I can't pick one song from there but they um his album uh, earth to dora i've really enjoyed listening to yeah i've heard uh, of them i'll have to look that up yeah check out eels they're great i'm now looking so where i'm sat doing this recording i'm sat in the, the cozy area of my bedroom where i have all of my records <laughs> so now while you're here i'm just having a glance at the uh the records that I've got. Uh, oh, so Coldplay. This I'm. Um, I'm just going to talk about an album, if that's all right, because I can't pick one song. Yeah, great. Um, but there's an album called um, Parachutes by Coldplay. So it's their first album, and mm. I bought it last week because it reminded me of um, when I was on the school bus. There was a, a girl from the local girls' school, and we used to get the same bus together. And she was like my idol in terms of music. So she'd um, she used to bring on this massive um, sort of wallet of CDs because it's kind of back in the day before Spotify and everything. Yeah. Carry your CDs, and um, and she would just recommend albums to me. And we had like a forty minute um, journey to home. So we used to listen to albums, and then she'd lend me her albums so I could take them home and bring them back the next day. And Parachutes by Coldplay it was probably like the first album that I really fell in love with. So I was about twelve. And um, yeah, I that it was it was the 20th anniversary. Um, I don't know when it was, but the 20th anniversary has come out. So I yeah, I bought that. So I started turning to LPs now, um, which is great. And I, it's, it's an expensive habit, though. <laughs> yeah. And the sound, <laughs> sound lives up to expectations. Yeah. Like crystal clear with a bit of wow. reverb. So no, but that's mainly down to the I've got quite a cheap <laughs> record player. <Right. laughs> so I'm going to save up. For a, yeah better quality one but I love it because we've had loads of albums that have been donated by family and friends because they just don't have the space for them anymore and um yeah I love kind of delving into other people's music collections and you know I'm learning a, a lot about new music what well, new music to me you know stuff like David Bowie <laughs> like isn't they're not new albums but they're completely new to me Rosie now talks about the effects of coronavirus, both on the people she helps and her organisation. I was, it was hard. So, you know, that the first moment I saw, because we kind of, you know, we knew that COVID was was out there and, but it, I, I felt quite separated from it, you know, seeing everything develop on, on the news. And then all of a sudden it kind of yeah got to the beginning of March and it started to hit home I think that like actually I think this is it is going to come to the UK and something's going to happen and then when we went into yeah full lockdown obviously you know our main so we support people with dementia through music and our our main service is providing workshops in care homes um, and that's kind of what we've built our growth on over the last sort of 11 years and so then you know obviously lockdown happened and we weren't able to go into the care homes. We haven't been in, in a care home since the first week of March in 2020. Um, and, and there was that, that panic of, you know, one thing, you've, you know, how much longer will our money last us? You know, in the bank, kind of looking at that, making sure that I'm looking after our employees. And, and I, I kind of felt that strain of, you know, making sure everyone was okay. And I think my own self-care went to the bottom of the pile, which is probably quite normal. It shouldn't be that way. Um, yeah. but I think it, you know, it was it was much deeper than finances. I think it was that mission of it suddenly just hit me that we weren't we weren't fulfilling our mission. 
and you know there were people living with dementia in the care homes that that weren't able to access music and you know stimulate sort of stimulating activities and and all of that and I think you know that was what hit me the most rather than our money and I think if you know we were lucky that we didn't lose all of our money and we were able to continue but I think even if we had zero in the bank I'd have still wanted to fulfill that mission I'd have yeah. still wanted to with the purpose so just for the our audience in terms of how many employees did you have in in March 2020 and what was your annual turnover like what was your commitment kind of level yeah so we're a very small company so we only have four employees and that includes me um, but that's our kind of our, our core team. But then we have a team of about 30 musicians who are all self-employed. So they work for us as freelancers, but we we train them up. We sort their bookings into the care homes. And so, yeah, for us, it was that kind of we've got our, our core team of employees. But I'm also conscious, you know, even now we've got a whole load of musicians that normally they'd be working as gigging musicians, um, teaching in schools working for Musica and you know for a lot of them they've just lost everything. Rosie now talks about the future. You know what's your vision for the future with it? Yeah so I you know if we kind of if we imagine that we've suddenly come out of Covid I would still love to be going into the care homes and you know empowering musicians so I love doing that side because you know there are so many musicians out there fantastic musicians that want to do good with their music so I can still see that being you know being part of our business I think our in terms of pivoting our core business might not be that element it, I can see it being more about, you know, supporting caregivers. So this training side, um, you know, we, we've got an online music video library, which again, we set up during COVID-19. And I can see that side of it being our core element. So supporting caregivers, empowering them, connecting them with one another. So I'm very keen on this kind of community idea. So, you know, global community, getting caregivers together so they can support one another. And I think, you know, for me, I think that's where the where the business is going to be heading. Whilst, you know, our our mission has been shaken over the last kind of, yeah, however many months, nearly a year, and and it hasn't changed. And so, yeah, I think our mission is very much going to stay true. And, and the way that we deliver our mission will be kind of through empowering caregivers as well as, as delivering our music workshops. There's a very yeah. long-winded way of saying no. where I think we're going to go. <laughs> yeah, in the dementia space, um, it's a really tragic um, condition, disease, and um, you know, it robs people of um, the past often, and um, you know, it's a huge amounts of loss around dementia as well, isn't there? And I think the work that you're doing is crucial. Um, and um, yeah, massive thank you. Great, thanks so much for having me, Mark. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed it, and good luck with Musica. A massive thank you for listening to Purpose It Podcast. I'm thoroughly enjoying bringing these stories to you. Visit our website, purposefullypodcast.com. Join our tribe, leave your email address. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe. Please leave a review, really appreciate it. 